Hello and welcome to this Stew with JT Brew. I'm JT along with Commissioner Breeze uh, joining me tonight. We're going to talk about the Detroit Lions football team. What do we expect out of these guys? Where they're going? What can this rookie, uh, rookie class do? It's going to be a fun one. Stick with us here. You're now in the stew. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub to start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. I bet your roster in pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups. Universities, institutes, down to homies who kick in groups. I introduce you did the stupid JT proof. Hello and welcome to the stew with JT Brew. Check out my guy Chase Baby at Chase Baby Bandcamp for all that music. Great and so song he put together for me. So jump on there, check out some of his original music. And I want to thank Commissioner Breeze for coming on today to talk about the Detroit Lions. How you doing? Good, JT. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, a, just a franchise that's really struggled over the years, but there's finally some light at the end of the tunnel as a Lions fan. There's excitement in the air. Got to feel good about coming into this season that te- people think they got a shot. What do you think? Yeah, like you said, it's definitely an exciting time to be a Lions fan. Um Ever since uh, Brad Holmes came in, you know, heading into the 2021 season, he's really um, made some good moves to put the team in a position um, where they are right now. All starting off with the uh, Matthew Stafford trade for Jared Goff. You know, at the time, it was kind of hard for us to see Matthew Stafford go because of what he meant to the Lions and how long he'd been with us as our franchise uh, player. But we kind of was at a crossroad. I think uh, the change of scenery was best for both Stafford and the Lions. You know, Stafford won a Super Bowl out of it. The Lions got, you know, a couple of first-round draft picks out of it. And now they're in a position now heading into this season where they are the favorites to win a division. So I'm definitely hoping that the momentum continues with the team and hopefully we can see the playoffs for the first time in, I think, six, seven years. So I'm definitely here for the ride. Yeah, this could, let's get into the to the rookies. Talking about making the Stafford trade, getting those draft picks. It's something they've kind of been building. And then two first-round picks this year. Let's talk about the draft a little bit. Really shocking some people when they went number 12, running back Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, and then backed it up with number 18 going Jack Campbell out of Iowa. I saw um, an article the other day that said, you know, usually – 17, 18, 19 guys got first-round grades on them. The Lions staff said, hey, we only had about 14 guys with a first-round grade, so we didn't do any crazy jumping up or down. We looked at the guys we graded first round. We looked at those 14, and we said, who got to us? And we kind of jumped in from there, and that's how they ended up taking those guys. Kind of what did you think as a Lions fan? Is obviously some really talented players. The biggest knock on the Lions, did they go too high? Did they draft these guys too high? Could they got them later and got better value out of them? Kind of what are you thinking about what happened there, especially in the first round of the draft? I mean, looking back in hindsight, you know, anybody can say, hey, the guys that we took in the first round, maybe they could have won the second round. But in actuality, you know, when you're in the draft rooms and you're looking at the player boards, if you don't get your guys and you end up missing out on them, you know, you can set the franchise back three, four, five years down the line. So I actually am okay with the line and Brad Campbell. I mean, I'm sorry, Brad Campbell, but the Brad Holmes, excuse me, taking Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round because that told me they want players who can come in and contribute right now versus waiting a year or two to see what they got in these players. So it didn't get a lot of, um, it got mixed reviews around, you know, the league and around uh, football fans um, in general. But overall, I think that, you know, if, if, if they're moving along with their vision of being a, a, a division contender, 
this is the right move that they need to make to put them in a position to compete each and every Sunday. Yeah, I like the move. I, I think sometimes people get so obsessed with value and where a guy should go. And I like to like what you said. If you really like those guys and those are your guys, do you really want to be messing around thinking, oh, can I get the exact perfect value for them? And I wait and I try to get them a later or I trade back hoping they're still going to be there. And then you miss out on them. To me, that's the worst thing. If you know you want a guy and you and you play that game of trying to maximize the value, which of course everybody wants to do, but then you miss out on the guys you actually want. I, I think that's worse off, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is why the GMs, they get paid the money they get paid because they have to be strategic when they forecast and, you know, plan moves like that because they're seeing things that the normal casual fan, you know, you and I, we may not see right at the surface, but, you know, you hear about stuff like after the draft, you had like a couple of teams, had we not taken Jameer Gibbs where he went, would have taken him a few picks later. So that's why I kind of said, you know, back in hindsight, it's easy to say we could have got him later, but we just, it's just, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack Campbell's one of those guys, you know, you look at him and Gibbs. If you look at 10 years ago, 15 years ago, nobody's saying either of these guys are a reach in the first round. It's just that people are kind of down on running back value. They're down on inside linebacker value. And so again, you know, teams are kind of ripping because they're like, oh, you don't need to spend that much draft capital on those positions. But you went and got, which many people consider Gibbs the second best running back by far in this draft uh, behind B. John Robinson, who, you know, of course, everybody was ripping the Falcons for taking B. John in the top 10, you know, looking at that. Uh, and when he went in the top 10, that had to move Gibbs up everyone's board knowing that Bijan wasn't going to drop into the teens, which meant Gibbs wasn't going to get into the 20s like a lot of people had thought maybe. And then Campbell, uh, a guy that most people had clear cut the number one inside linebacker in this group. Now people, you know, again, down on the value of inside linebacker, but there seemed like a pretty big gap between him and the next best guy at inside linebacker. And if you looked at the Lions last year, that was one of the positions they really needed. They needed inside linebacker bad. And so I actually didn't feel like it was that big of a reach, especially for them. There was all kinds of cornerbacks on the board, but they actually had signed a bunch of guys in the offseason, Cameron Sutton, um, Johnson Gardner. So it, it seemed like that was a better spot to go, especially uh, with their edge rushes they already had on the team. The biggest eyesore, it seemed like to me, was that middle linebacker spot. Yeah, definitely. It was a reason why, you know, last couple of years, so many teams was able to run the ball effectively against us because we couldn't tackle well. And that was primarily a responsibility of the linebackers, you know, the middle of the defense. And, you know, Brad Holmes identified that and said, you know what, this might not be a popular pick to the consensus, but I'm going to give my guy a pick 18 and Jack Campbell. So again, I like the pick. It just signals to me like this regime, they got a plan. They know what they're doing. They know where they want to go, and I'm on board with it. Let's jump into the second round where I actually thought, you know, now we want to talk about value. I actually thought they got some really good value in the second round. Uh, 34th pick, they got tight end Sam Laporta out of Iowa. A lot of people, you know, he depending on whose board you looked at, a lot of people ended up having him as their number one tight end, depending on what you were looking for uh, in a really talented tight end group. I, I mean, I, I liked all the guys in the top five, I think are really good players. I'm excited to see a lot of them play. And then they went and got defensive back Brian Branch from Alabama at the number 45 pick in the second round. And if you were looking at pre-draft rankings, almost everyone had him as the top DB safety slash nickel. Obviously a lot of really talented cornerbacks on the list, but almost everyone had him. And again, people are a little bit down on the safeties, not saying you should draft them as high. And they went out and got him. So, I mean, you look at it in the first two rounds, the lions technically, just because people don't love those positions, doesn't mean you don't need them. It doesn't mean you don't still have to have them on the team. They went and got arguably the number one player 
at three of those four positions and the number two guy at running back behind everybody's favorite Bijan. So, I mean, you got the top of the heap in those first four picks. Yeah, that, honestly, you know, when I, when we got into day two, round two of the NFL draft, the fact that Brian Branch on the board, I was very surprised. And then he just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. I'm like, wait a minute. Because I was saying to myself at, internally as a fan, nah, we ain't, we ain't got a shot at him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so the fact when I heard his name get called, I was ecstatic because that was by far my favorite pick in the draft for our team and where we got him because what he can do on the field, he's going to present um, a lot of value. He's very versatile. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can play deep. And the beautiful thing about it is we don't got to throw him out there right away because we got C.J. Gardner, you know, in the, in the um, backfield with Tracy Walker, who's going to be our starters. We can kind of just throw some in there on certain packages or, you know, in case somebody get hurt, you know, of course he'll have a, a bigger role then, but we ain't got to necessarily throw him in right away so he can really learn and get a feel of the pro game, you know, as he transitioned from college. So, again, I was ecstatic with that pick. And next year, I think we're going to really see what uh, Brian Branch is all about. I, I was super jealous of that pick, I have to be honest. As a, as a Steelers <laughs> and, a, and a Colts fan, I was wanted both of them to take him. I was looking at him at like late, mid, late first round. I was like, I thought he was going to go in there. When he started slipping the second round, I was like, man, maybe the Steelers or the Colts could jump up and grab him here. And then when he got the Lions, I was like, that's just a great pick. I was like, man, they're just taking the top guy at every position. And, you, you know, we've seen – Alabama secondary players the last couple of years have come in and, and had really, really good pro careers. And, and like I said, the versatility of Branch, I think, is the thing. You know, people saw, you know, the S next to his name as a safety, but I think he's, you know, he can play free safety, he can play strong safety, he can play that nickel corner. I mean, I just think you can move him all around. I mean, you go dime packages, he could technically probably be your middle linebacker in dime coverage. I mean, so it's, I just think that's a huge steal for them. And then Laporta out of Iowa. I mean, they've been a tight end factory the last couple of years. Everybody has come out of there has been, has been really good. And, you know, depending on, you know, Kincaid went in the first round, you had Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Uh, he was right in that mix with those guys. And some people thought he might've been actually the best overall guy, as far as receiving ability plus blocking ability. He had a little bit of both. And I, he just, feels like a guy that's going to fit in. And after they traded T, uh, TJ Hawkinson away, he kind of were like, what, what's the plan here? I think that's a, he's a great replacement for TJ, another Iowa guy, uh, TJ Hawkinson, filling for him uh, once they made the trade to get him to the Vikings. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I'm really trying to contain my excitement, you know, for Sam LaPorta. At a certain level, because I know rookie tight ends usually take time to develop and adjust to the pro game. But from what I've seen in um, offseason, you know, um, camp and OTAs, Sam Laporta looks every bit as good as advertising what people are saying about him. man. if we see any of that translate early on in the season, it's going to be a rush on the waiver wire from him after week one because, you know, with, you know, J-Mo, he's out for the first six weeks, so somebody else going to have to step up besides Amon Ross St. Brown in the receiving game. And I think Sam Laporte is that guy. You know, I love the fact that he's so fluid in his route running. He looks crisp and the way he moves, you know, his body control. And I just love the way he fights for the yards after contact when he have the ball in his hand. So I'm really excited about um, what Sam Laporte is going to bring to the field this season. Yeah, our buddy John McGlynn just jumping on saying, look at these two studs brewing it up. Hey, thanks, John, for uh, jumping on saying hi to us. Uh, We did a great show with him uh, not too long ago on the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with me, you, and him. Uh, It's always good to see John. I saw John yesterday at the uh, Scott Fishbowl live draft in Chicago we had yesterday. It was fantastic. And I was actually just going to say, I got sniped on Laporta 
in the Scott Fishbowl, oh, and I was mad about it. He was the pick right before me. I'd already gotten golf in the fifth round. It was coming back to me in the seventh. I was like, ooh. I was like, this might be a little early, but I'm going to get Laporta here. I love this stack, and he got taken right before me, and I could. I was so mm. I was so mad. I had to step out of the room for a minute. I was like, "Whoa, well, now what oh, am I gonna man. do?" I was like, "Who am I gonna pick now?" Because he wow. was my guy that round. I was eyeing. So, I you know, a lot of times we talk about that three years it takes kind of those rookie tight ends to break out. I feel like Laporta's way ahead of the curve on that, and, and like I said, everything that they're talking about in camp is that he seems ready to go. He's not a guy that's going to need a lot of time to learn the system, try to figure it out. They said he was just tearing it up in OTAs. I I feel like, like you said, no Jamison Williams, you know, start to start the year. I think he could be shock a little people. I mean, I don't know how much they're going to get as far as, you know, straight statistics fantasy wise, but man, I think he's going to guy, a guy who's going to have some impact on the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, Again, you know, he's um, – I'm super excited to see him on the field. Uh, I wish I could have gotten more exposure to him in my rookie drafts, but I was fortunate enough to get one share. But um, I can see it right now, you know, uh, that big waiver wire push after week one to get him, you know, um, on your team. And, um, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe he could – have an outlier, you know, rookie season. I mean, it's only happened every so often, you know, your Kyle Pitts, Evan Ingram type seasons. Not saying that the Porter be the guy to do it, but I think if he did something close to that, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I feel like he he could easily get 60 catches, five, 600 yards, and, you know, a handful of touchdowns. Uh, he just seems like he, he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to swing some weeks. Um, let's continue down the draft board and another guy that everybody was talking about, where is he going to go? And finally in the third round, he came off the board number 68 overall Tennessee quarterback, Hendon hooker. This was a guy people were talking about left and right. I mean, they, they people were saying, Hey, he would have won the Heisman if he didn't end up getting hurt at Tennessee and Tanner's ACL. And then another thing that says, everyone said, what did he been in that conversation to be a top five QB top, uh, top five or 10 pick in the NFL draft. If he hadn't had the ACL injury, no, he's a little bit older, but we've seen kind of that hasn't made as big of a difference lately with quarterbacks with the length of their careers kind of spanning a little bit longer. What do you think about Hendon hooker is, is did they just taking a shot on? Do we actually think that he could be the future behind uh, Jared Goff here in a couple of years for the lions? First off, um, I like to say, Going into the draft, you know, I had tweeted out the Lions as being a destination I would like to see Hendon Hooker land because he he would be put in a position where he won't get thrown out there right away. Then that's something that is uh, something that is kind of a lost art in today's NFL. You know, you don't have the luxury of being able to sit two, three years behind a, a good to great quarterback. You know, the last really, I'll say, notable person who was able to do that was Patrick Mahomes for that one year, you know, when he came out. So, you know, being, uh, you know, him tearing his ACL, you know, just give him time to learn the playbook, learn from Jared, Jared Goff, pick his brain, kind of see, you know, what worked, what doesn't work. And then you got Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, one of the hottest OCs in the NFL right now to learn from as well. So I, I I thought Kenneth Cooker was like my, one of my favorite, you know, uh, value quarterbacks to come out, not saying he would have the highest trajectory to succeed out of the quarterback class, but I did like his metrics, how he fared compared to the quarterback class that he's a part of, you know, going into this season. So um, it's definitely possible that, Hendon Hooker could be the future for the Lions. You know, this is a very important year for Jared Goff in regards to his contract situation. You know, it's a lot riding on the season for him and for the team because we got playoff aspirations as a team. And if he propels us to that place we haven't been, 
in the last few years, like I um, alluded to, then chances are, you know, Jared Goff will probably get a new deal and Hannah Hooker just to be, you know, holding a clipboard and just being our QB2 on the team. But on the other hand, if Goff were to regress and not do as well and we don't win a division, we don't, you know, clinch a wild card spot and, you know, Hannah Hooker began to make progressions as the season is going along, you know, next off season, we could be having a serious conversation about whether the Lions want to give Jared Goff whatever contract demands he's asking for, or should we just take our chances with Hendon Hooker and build around him and see what we got. So it's it's kind of twofold when it comes to um, Hendon Hooker. While I like the selection by the Lions, it's great draft value in the third round because, you know, like I said, either scenario um, that plays out, I think the Lions, you know, turns out to be the winner at the end of the day. You know, it was just good process on Brad Holmes being able to see uh, a talent like Hendon Hooker still there in the third round. Yeah, I actually loved it. Uh, you know, people talked about them. Do they grab him like into the first? They maybe take him beginning of the second, try to grab him somewhere there. I thought the fact that they kind of just let him simmer and then he kind of fell to him in the third, I thought was just fantastic again we talk about value i just thought that was a great move for them obviously third round picks are are valuable picks but letting him get to you in the third where you're not feeling like you're stuck like oh man we took this guy at the end of first we got to figure out a way to play him uh i I agree with you i like the i like the value there i like that they waited till we get him in the third and then a lot of times with these rookie qbs the death nails or offenses are terrible and so you get these guys in there and just ruins their confidence not the case with the Lions. The Lions, the top five scoring team in the league last year, with over almost twenty-seven points a game. So they, this is a team that knows how to score. And I think the fact that you can get him in there, let him sit at least this first year minimum, heal up, but also learn the intricacies of the system and go, hey, it, it's not like he's learning a bad system. So that's the other thing too. It's not like he's sitting on a team where oh, this OC is going to get fired. So he's going to be gone next year anyway, and he's going to have a new guy. He's going to have to learn all, all over again. I just think it ended up being a good situation for the Lions and for Hennon Hooker in general. I just think it was a maybe couldn't have ended up in a better landing spot for him to kind of sit and learn and kind of figure things out. And again, if he does take over, he's got good players around him. It's not like he's taken over a bad team or a bad offense. So I, I just think for the future for Hennon Hooker, if it works out, I think they're going to look back and like, man, what a great freaking pick that was in the third. And if it doesn't, it's not a franchise, you know, murdering selection where if they would have taken him top 10, top 12, and he doesn't work out, you're like, well, we just put our, our whole uh, franchise back two or three or four years. So I thought it worked out pretty well there. Like you said, I, I just thought it was a, a good move. And again, I liked what the Lions did in this draft. Again, they probably didn't get the value everybody thought or where the players should go technically, you know, per, per rankings, but man, they got guys high end guys at every position. They took uh, kind of finishing up the draft last couple guys. They took uh, another third rounder defensive tackle, Broderick Martin added that D line. And then they came back in the fifth round, Colby uh, Sorsdahl, offensive lineman. And then part of that Deandre uh, Swift trade, they got an extra seventh rounder where they went out and got Antoine green, a wide receiver rookie that that could fare into the mix here at these OTAs. Uh, and once we'll see what he gets in camp, but I thought it was a pretty solid draft for the Lions. And again, draft always brings hope, but I think it brings more hope when you're the Lions this year. When you saw the quality of guys you got, and you add them to a team that's in the mix already, and then you got the Aaron Rodgers factor. He's gone. People are loving the Lions, man. They're right now favored to win the NFC uh, North plus 145, I think is what they are currently on FanDuel to win the division. So they're out there over under is nine and a half. I'm like, uh, where are you thinking this? As you look kind of down the schedule, things about the Lions, you're thinking division, obviously you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but but I, I don't know if the hypes uh of their overhyped i actually think this this might be a legit chance for the lions to make some noise yeah it's um it's interesting because 
that NFC North division as a whole is kind of in transition with, uh, like you said, Aaron Rodgers kind of having a stranglehold on the division for so long, being in Green Bay, now that he's gone, it kind of just makes the division wide open. And um, going into this season, I definitely like our chances against Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. Um, We've always, uh, at least the last couple of years, matched up pretty well against Minnesota. And uh, we won five of our six division games last year. Not to say that that would be repeatable this year, but the possibility is there. But um, I can see us winning 10, 11 games as everything went right for the team. You know, um, if injuries are kept to a minimum and everybody do what they're supposed to do, we should be able to uh, get our first division title for the first time in almost 30 years. Yeah, I think that'd be uh, unbelievable. Like, just break it down the schedule. We'll just kind of run through it here. I think the schedule really kind of lines up pretty well for the Lions, even if they regress in the division and they don't have that 5-1 division record. But even if they split with everybody in the division, looking at the rest of their schedule, I think this team's a 10-7, a, a and 11-16. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a close division. I've got them winning the division. Actually, they, they were my – NFC North pick. I've got him win the division with the uh, with the Vikings and the Bears, just slightly behind them. Um, and if we look at this team last year, or just this division last year, the defense was terrible. I mean, the defense <laughs> was really bad. The Lions, the Vikings, the Bears, all in the bottom half of the league. I think the Packers clear cut have the best defense in this division, but without Aaron Rodgers, do they have the worst offense? Because the Lions had a really good offense. The Vikings had a really good offense. The Bears, at the end of the year, really started to turn it up with Justin Fields running everywhere. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see because I think you're going to see a lot of shootouts. And, I, you know, I had a bunch of Packers fans riding me hard because I, I had them with a terrible record this year. And people were like, I can't believe you think they're going to be that bad. And I just – I think they can win games. But I'm worried because I think they're going to have to win a lot of low-scoring games I just don't see that Packers offense putting up a ton of points. And I, I do think they have the best defense in the division. But, again, that that now means they're going to have to score enough on offense to keep up with these high-powered offenses in the Lions and Vikings. I think that works out to the, the Lions' favor because I think they maybe more than anyone else improve the most on defense. So while they still added some nice offensive pieces, I think they added enough defense just to slow down. Are they going to be top half the league? Mm, probably not. But I don't know if they need to be top half. If they get a top five scoring offense again, if they can just get a few more stops, a couple more field goals instead of touchdowns, I think this team could definitely go, you know, like I said, 10 and 7, 11 and 6. Yeah, you make a good point there. You know, even if, let's just say, their offense is, instead of top five, it's top ten, but their defense can be top 20. I think that would be enough to offset, you know, the regression from offense to get an extra win or two to get to 10, you know, potentially 11 wins to secure the division because, you know, we got to understand that, you know, in the NFL, the, the year-to-year changeover is very real, you know. No two years are the same. You know, there's a lot of moving parts happening around the league annually. So, you know, you have to kind of keep that in the back of our mind so we don't get too, you know, caught up with um, overly optimistic expectations for a team in general, um, yet alone the Lions. So I'm definitely trying to be as impartial and uh, unbiased as I can when it comes to, like, how I think the season will actually play out for them. But I do believe that uh, they will do enough to win a division and hopefully make some noise come playoff time. Yeah, uh, like you said, they were 28th in the league in scoring defense last year, 25 points a game, over 25 a game. So, again, if they can just improve that a little bit, move up seven, eight slots, like you said, even if they get go down a little bit on offense, uh, more winnable games. I Just going through the schedule here, like I talked about, I just think the schedule really lines up nicely for them. They get a lot of winnable games at home, 
And I think that makes a big difference. They start off, you know, the big Thursday night season opener, defending champion Chiefs at Kansas City. That's, That's obviously going to be a huge game. If they can show, if they can play out, even if they lose that game, but if they're in it and they're and they're looking exciting, I think you're going to get people all over them going the rest of the season. So then after that, they're at home against the Seahawks, which I think it, Seahawks are a good team, but having them at home is a big difference than playing at Seattle. So I and remember that. last year when Seattle was in Detroit, it was in Detroit. That game was a banger. That was one of the highest scoring games of the season. So, you know, you could see fireworks again in that one. Yeah, and I'm expecting that in a lot of their games this year. But then they get them at home. Then they get Atlanta at home, who I think is going to be improved. But, again, that's nice you get that game at home. Uh, you know, even like I said, I think even if they split the whole division, say they go one and one against every the division, I like the way the rest are scheduled works out to where they can get the tiebreaker difference over any one if they need to. I mean, they got Carolina at home, super winnable game at Tampa Bay. I Tampa Bay is going to struggle, I think this year. So that's a winnable game on the road at Baltimore is probably one of their toughest games on the year going to Baltimore, but then you're at home for Vegas. I don't, I don't like the Raiders this year. I think that's a give me win. Then a bye week. Then they're at the chargers, which is going to That's be the one right there. That one's that that the one's game. I think, and here's the thing: if they can win that game, if they can somehow beat at, the Ravens or the Chargers on the road, I think that wins them the division. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It ends up being the the, the win that get, that catapults them and gets them eleven wins or gets them twelve wins because I've got them on eleven wins, losing both those games. So if they can win one of those, I think it's huge. And that's me. Like I said, that's with me splitting the division. That's not with them maybe beating the bears twice or maybe beating the Packers twice. That's if I had them going one, one and one against everybody. Um, and then you like at new Orleans, that's a winnable game. That's, that's going to be interesting in the dome, but I, that's, that's a winnable game. You get Denver at home, another great setup. I think Denver is going to be a lot better, but again, playing them at home and not at mile high in the winter in the middle of the winter is, is a huge advantage. And then you got Minnesota at Minnesota, at the Cowboys, and then home for Minnesota to finish up the year, if they've got a little bit of a lead with those last two Minnesota, two of the last three weeks being Minnesota for the division, I mean, what about that? What if they go in and they end up winning at Minnesota, upsetting them there? There's a chance they could have the division locked up with two weeks to go and get themselves a little rest for the playoffs. I, I just like how this schedule sets up for the Lions. I just think they got a lot of – you know, at Seattle, at Denver would be two really tough games. Getting the, those games at home is a huge advantage. And again, the, the the couple, the other tough ones, I think, other than the Chiefs game to start the year, is that Chargers-Baltimore-Ravens game. If they can split those two, I feel really good about where they end up this year. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about the Lions schedule for this season is that they only play five games outdoors, one of which will be in December. So they're going to be in a controlled environment for the majority of the season. So that should um, work in their favor because, you know, they play in the dome. I mean, not, not saying they can't play outside, because they definitely won on the road outdoors last season as the most recent example. But to be able to play in a controlled environment, you know, that's going to just help um, – you know, the Lions to be able to uh, put their best foot forward, you know, week in and week out. Yeah, I always think whenever you have a high-powered offense, anytime you can get indoors or play in good weather, I just think it makes all the difference. Because those cold weather, dirty, muddy, rainy games, that's where you want that defense where you can just kind of lock people down. And I, you're right. I just – if you're going through their schedule, they've got really offensive-friendly places they're playing most of the year. Uh, I mean, they're at Baltimore is in October, just before Halloween. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you're in Tampa Bay the week before that in October, which you'd rather be there in October than August or September. So we're, mm -hmm. you're melting. You know, they got green, at Green Bay earlier in the year. So that helps them out that they're playing. You know, they get Green yeah, Bay Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, so, I mean, really, you look at the latest game they got outdoors is at Chicago in December. That's really it. I I mean, after after the outdoor uh, Baltimore game in October, I mean, you're inside the rest of the way. I mean, I think that's just a big, big advantage for them. Uh, and I just like 
the way everything is setting up for the lies. It just feels like fate that everything is finally going their way. You know, obviously we'll jump into it briefly. The, you know, the Jameson Williams suspension and some of the other things with so the game with things, you know, is, is kind of been the one downer on this team. Uh, we haven't really talked about Jameson. So what do you think about the James it's Williams so situation? Uh, do you think is this something that's going to kind of hang over his head or you think this is something maybe he learns from, he's able to uh, work hard, put it behind him. And this is something that maybe is just, you know, later in the, his career, it's just a blip on the radar as opposed to something that defines his career. I would say it's definitely something that, he will learn from, I mean, he's what, 20, 22 years old, you know, so he's going to make mistakes, you know, that's just part of the growing up process when you're transitioning in life and in particular from college to pro. So I'm kind of glad that he's kind of going through that now. So it's going to make him a better, not only person, but player on the field. Um, You know, he's been getting a lot of uh unnecessary, uh, criticism for some of the stuff that he's been doing off the field, but I think that the reps that he is putting in now with Jared Goff is going to be huge for uh, when he comes back in week seven because, you know, last year he was hurt, so he didn't have the opportunity to get those offseason reps in with Jared Goff, whereas now, you know, he's fully healthy, he's putting in the work, you know, he's um, been doing uh, work with Amara St. Brown. So for those, you know, who think that J-Mo going to be a bust or anything like that, you know, it's too early to make that call. I think it's unfair to make that judgment without really seeing a full season of what he can do on the field. So, but when he get on the field in week seven, that's going to change the whole dynamic of the Lions offense. You're talking about somebody who can burn you down the field. If I'm a, you know, defense is going to be scared to play, to match up against him because if they play too close to him, he's going to burn them. And if they play too, you know, high down the field, you know, you got players like Amaran Laporta who can beat you underneath. So I think um, that's kind of like, you can kind of look at him as like a luxury pick for the Lions because we can um, maintain or hold it down, you know, the first six weeks without them because we got pretty much our foundation in place to be able to compete week in and week out. But, you know, once you get on the field, man, it's going to be exciting times in Detroit. Yeah, it's like they got a free extra first-round pick, you know, with him sitting out last year, another year removed from that ACL. And we've kind of seen over time historically that second year really gives those guys a chance to bounce back and really improve. And I think the thing about him is if he was going into a situation where there's a ton of guys in front of him, you might go like, ah, how's he get back into the lineup? But, you know, I'm not real scared of Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, Khalif Raymond. I mean, those guys are all right players, but I they don't have what Jamison Williams has. I, I think he comes in and he I think he gets on the field right away. As soon as they get him on there, I think he gets in there and, and plays. And again, like you said, I think he just adds a, a whole other dynamic to that offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to um, list the guys you you said as um, you know roster clause or anything like that. You know, those are professional athletes at the end of the day. But you know, none of those guys have the talent of a Jamison Williams. You know, let's just be real about it. So. Um, you know, like I said, you know, we have uh, enough able bodies to get us by until, you know, J-Mo hits the field. And, um, you know, once he hits the field, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to uh, present a whole new dynamic to what our offense currently looked like at that point in the season. Let's, uh, you know, we kind of briefly talked over about what needing the defense to improve a little bit. Let's talk about uh, some of their defensive guys because they they do have some talent on that side of the football. I de- obviously, the big name guy, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, former uh, top pick for the Lions, had a really solid rookie season, but he just feels like he's got breakout potential all over. He's got that one year under him at the end of the season. You know, the big shocker that people did not see coming was James Houston. 
former six-round pick last year, didn't see the field at all first half of the season, and then the guy came out and got eight sacks in the last seven games. He was all over the place on the other side. Him and Hutchinson together feel like that edge combo you need. And then Ed Campbell, when they added Campbell, he just jumped up IDP draft boards and rookie draft boards. I Almost every draft I was in, he went either first or second to Will Anderson in drafts. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the guy that everybody is, is you know calculating that he's going to have a big – Big point for IDP season. So he's a guy I love. I think he's going to get a ton of tackles. I think he's going to be everywhere. And then, like I said, that secondary, which was really the eyesore last year. I mean, they just were getting burned everywhere. But they just they got so much better. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson from Philadelphia. They picked up Cameron Sutton from Pittsburgh, who was really solid. Uh, Tracy Walker, who's been good in that secondary. Uh, Kirby Joseph. Um a third round pick last year, get another year for him. So he's going to be in his second year. It just feels like they're kind of, and then you at, and we talked about Brian Branch earlier, who I think is going to be able to play as that spot. It just feels like that secondary is so much better than they were the year before. Yeah, it's uh, night and day better because uh, it was definitely a high priority uh, thing to address when the offseason got here because. You know, in order for a team that's in transition like the Lions to view themselves as uh, division contenders, you got to have a somewhat competent secondary. You just can't have, you know, guys who's going to get beat every single play because that's going to exhaust the defense and it's going to force the offense to have to keep up with the opposition. So, um I'm definitely happy with the improvements that the Lions secondary um, is now because, like you said, it was an eyesore on the team last year. And even with the moves that we made, you still got people out here thinking the Lions didn't get better in the secondary, and that's just not the case. You got these these guys that we got, these dudes can play. You know, it's just a matter of the chemistry coming together. That's what, you know, the offseason is for, but – once they get that chemistry down, Pat, you're going to see a noticeable difference in the secondary when teams are playing against them this year. Yeah, I'm always one of those people. I'm really hesitant on some of these up-and-coming teams to kind of get behind them. Everybody gets all hyped. Oh, they're going to win the division. They're going to win the division. And you're like, hey, we haven't seen it forever. Why would it anything change now? But this is one of the teams I feel differently about. I actually feel like this Lions team – is legit. I feel like they've got a good coaching staff. They're super likable. I mean, they're a super likable team. I love their uniforms. I think they got some of the best unis in the game. I love so I my mom's family's all from Michigan. So I've got a little, you know, deep down a little little soft spot <laughs> for the Lions. I always want to see him kind of do well. Uh Barry Sanders loved him as a kid. So it's always got a root for the Lions. So Kind of tell me your final thoughts here on, on the Lions. I just, they're a team I like. I like them to win the division. I'm actually going with the favorite. I'm taking them to win the division. I think their defense has improved enough, and I like what I'm seeing on offense. I, I think, you know, Gibbs is a good spot. I like the Monty signing. I actually think Monty still, uh, you know, people are like, is he fantasy relevant anymore? I think he's going to get the rock. I think they're going to be able to use both those guys. They're going to be playable. Um, I like this team. I like the over nine and a half wins. I, I feel like they can get 10, 11. I think, and a couple things go their way. I think they could get as high as 12. So I'm loving that over nine and a half. Um, I feel good about the Lions. You, tell me from your perspective, kind of as a fan going into this season to wrap it up, what are your feelings on this team overall? First, I'd like to say I love that the fact the NFL is finally – you know, showing the Lions some love. You know, they got us on uh, prime time, I believe, for five games this year. So that tells me right there that um, the Lions is doing something right. But then, of course, you know, when you have hard knocks, that kind of gives us that exposure that people who, you know, don't follow the team can see what the Lions is all about. And that's really um, made them become very likable, you know, with uh, – Jamal Williams, you know, who's no longer with the team. You know, he was such a character and leader for the team. It just kind of made the Lions as a team likable. But 
as far as heading into this season, you know, everything that you pretty much said about the team, I kind of share that same sentiment. Um, I recently put out the other day, um, you know, as we get close to the season, that um, I like Miami to come out to represent the AFC side for the Super Bowl this year. Now, NFC side, I'm re- I really want to put my finger on Detroit as that team. You know, some people may say it's a homer pick, but, you know, I'm looking at the NFC conference as a whole. It's pretty much wide open. You know, of course, you got Philly, San Francisco, Dallas. But, you know, those teams underwent changes as well. You know, Philly lost their top two coordinators on both sides of the ball. You know, what is that going to look like for them? You know, um, Dallas lost Kellen Moore which I feel like is an underrated loss for that team. And you got Mike McCartney, McCartney, McCarthy, excuse me, calling the play. So I'm a little nervous about that. And, um, you know, San Francisco, with the quarterback situation, you know, is it Brock Purdy? Is it Trey Lance? Is it, you know, um, Sam Darnold? You know, so I feel like if we make it, if the Lions make it to the playoffs, I think they got as good a chance as anybody to come out that uh, NFC conference. So I'm still kind of wrestling with who, which way I'm a lean on the NFC side, who I like to come out to uh, go to the Super Bowl. But that, that inkling, that, 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 that gut feeling of the, you know, it's kind of like when mm-hmm. Cincinnati went on that run a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. nobody yep. had picked them going into the season as a, um, a contender yet alone make the Super Bowl. I'm kind of having that feeling about the Lions, but um, but like I said, I, I, I love what they're doing. I love the direction that they're going in. Um, they're p- pretty close to being balanced on both sides of the ball. We could still use um, a few more pieces uh, on that defensive line to kind of make it a little bit more solidified, but I believe you know, the team that is currently constructed as it is today is good enough to uh, make some noise in NFC for this year. Yeah, and actually, if you look down, I just pulled up the uh, FanDuel's uh, Super Bowl uh, odds right now. Technically, the Lions are ninth overall at plus 2,200, but in the NFC, they're fourth. Eagles are first. Niners are second in NFC, Cowboys are third, and Lions are fourth. And would you be surprised that the Vikings are fifth, but they're actually like six spots behind the Lions and the NFC? So that shows you that not a lot of people think in the NFC is as good as the AFC this year, but I think that leaves it wide open. There's so mm-hmm. many spots in there. Uh, you know, and then you had Miami in there. Miami's at plus 2,500 right now. They're, uh, I think it looks like 10th, 11th, 12th. They're 12th right now, best odds to win it. So it's not like you're talking crazy talk. It's not like you're saying, oh, Lions, you know, coming off a, you know, a two, three win season. I think they have a Super Bowl chance. I, I think Vegas thinks they have a Super Bowl chance, uh, you know, pretty high up in the NFC. And once you get to those playoffs, you just kind of never know. And the interesting thing I think is, you know, the NFC East is obviously really talented with the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants. The Redskins, but that's a that's a division that could beat each other up, and you know when and the Eagles have you know while they have a ton of talent, like you said, lost the coordinators. They've got a pretty tough schedule. Uh, I think it it really lines up for for the Lions to maybe not only win the division but get a home game, and then you know what? Can you imagine a home game? Lions playoffs, man. Detroit will be rocking Ford Field, oh, losing their minds would be uh, be unreal. But I, I, I really think that this team, you know, while we haven't seen in a long time, I think the hype actually is real for once. I, I do like what they've done, and I think they've set themselves up for the future. I don't feel like this is a one-and-done team. I, it doesn't feel like they went all in, you know, like a Rams move to like, oh, we got to try to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. This feels like an actual long-term setup. I, I, I feel really good about where this Lions team's going. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, Brad Holmes has done a good job of uh, working that salary cap. And um, since he's been 
uh, GM. He's had the highest hit rate of any GM in the league at 80%. So that should tell you all you need to know about the direction that the Lions is going in. So I definitely um, loving what they're doing. I'm loving we got competent people in the front office who know how to run an organization because you need everybody on every level doing their part in order for a franchise to succeed, not for now, but also for the future. So it sounds like we're both pretty high on the Lions this year. I know a lot of people are too. So, hey, as a Lions fan, you got to be excited, got to be good. Uh, Breeze, let everybody know where they can find you, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MCBreeze11. Um, posting content for P2W Fantasy. I also put out random stuff on Twitter, you know, relating to fantasy football, relating to life, you know, whatever the case, but whatever I'm feeling at that particular time of the day. But that's where you can find me. If you have any questions or need to reach out to me about anything, my DMs are open. Be more than happy to um, chat with you. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. You can find me at JT Orange on Twitter, talking a little bit about anything fantasy football-wise. I do everything from IDP to Devi to CFF to C2C, uh, a little bit of everything. So also you can follow the show at JT Bruce Stew on Twitter. Check us out on the YouTube channel, DynastyProsFootball.com, our YouTube channel. You can find me out there. And then you can always find my articles, mostly IDP stuff, but I've got some risers and fallers and Colts and Steelers articles coming out on dlf so go ahead and take check out dynastyleaguefootball.com i've also got my idp rankings up there so if you're getting ready to draft for the season i've got those check those out as well again commissioner breeze thanks for joining me uh had a great time thanks everybody for watching the stew check you next time uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we 